In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I invite all those up through the 12th grade to please come forward. Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. Yeah, see. Is that Papa True? Yes. Yeah. So, happy Easter. Happy third Sunday in Easter. Third Sunday in Easter. Happy third Sunday in Easter. So, imagine yourself. The gospel story tells us this. That more. This morning, Jesus tomb was empty and in the afternoon you've got two of Jesus disciples not one of the apostles remember Jesus had a lot of disciples remember in one time in that time when Jesus was in his resurrected body appeared to at least 500 at one time so two of his disciples were going home that same day on a dirt road to Emmaus six or seven miles from Jerusalem walking because they didn't have cars right and they're sad well, everybody didn't have a horse or a donkey. Most people walked, and they had paths and, you know, things to go. So, so they were sad because they saw Jesus die, but they didn't see Jesus rise from the dead. And they're sad, really sad. And so here's these two guys walking along, back to go home, and somebody there a stand, starts, just comes right up to them, and starts talking to them and starts teaching them the Bible as they knew it. About the Old Testament is about how all of these prophecies came true in Jesus. And they talked to him for probably a few hours because it took a while to get home. And then they get home at night, almost dark, it's dark. And so they invite him to come in for supper. He comes in, you know what he does? He breaks the bread. And you know what happens when he breaks the bread? Their eyes are opened and, G and he disappears. Jesus disappears. Because that man that was talking to them, explaining to them the Bible and breaking the bread, that was Jesus. And when he broke the bread and disappeared, their eyes were opened and they knew that it was Jesus. And you, you know what they did? Did they go to sleep? They ran all the way back to Jerusalem and told the other disciples who were in the upper room where Jesus was appearing to them through the walls like we heard last week about Thomas, remember? That doubting Thomas? And so here's Jesus. He, he came to them and they didn't even recognize. It's time to go, sorry. <laughs> and they didn't even recognize him. How many times has Jesus come beside us and we don't recognize him maybe not in the form of a person but maybe I don't know maybe he would I don't know but maybe in spirit maybe he comes to us and something tells us that we should do something or or we shouldn't do something and we don't pay attention because we don't recognize who that is
But God works that way. All through the New, Old and New Testament, God comes to people and talks to them and, has a, and gives them direction about what he wants them to do. So how many times in your life so far has God come to you and you just didn't recognize him? Or maybe you just didn't think about recognizing him. Hmm? He does come to us. So here's what I want you to do. Keep your hearts open. You are a resurrection people. We believe in a risen Lord who's still alive. Keep your hearts open. Keep your minds open. Keep your conscience open. And let the Lord speak to you and give you direction about what he wants for his kingdom. That's why he comes to us. It's usually about growing his kingdom. And that's why we're here on earth anyway. To grow his kingdom. Not for me. I'm not here for me and you're not here for you. We're here for God. Okay? So listen. Watch. And see if you notice him. He'll come to you. Okay? Thank you for coming up. If you want to get a packet from Mr. Music over there, you're more than welcome to do that. I saw your daddy tell him I said hi. Come over here. You're going to break my shoulder that way. the Lord on Holy Wednesday it was the Lord during Tenebrae speaking I'd like to begin with a human interest story this morning this story is said to be true but my guess is probably fits best in that category of urban legend stories about a woman who was staying in this elegant hotel in a large city And one morning she goes down to the lobby and she has all these traveler's checks and she wants to cash them so that she can go out for a day of shopping. And in her excitement and in a rush, she did something that we should never ever do. Instead of putting that large amount of money into her purse immediately, she absentmindedly turned, walked across the lobby, crowded lobby, toward the elevator with all of this cash in her hands. And she also had her room key out, and it too was highly visible. Waiting for the elevator, she realized her mistake, and she became very, very nervous. Just then, the elevator door opened, and she got on the elevator all by herself and breathed a sigh of relief. But then all of a sudden, before the door closed, a hand comes in, opens the door, and a tall man with sunglasses and a huge German shepherd dog got on the elevator with her and there she stood huddled in the corner of the elevator with the door key in her hand and a whole lot of cash in her hand. She was scared and when the elevator started up the the tall man said sternly lie down lady get on the floor don't you make a sound And terrified, she dove forward, face down on the floor. And the man scooted over to her very quickly and said to her, Oh, lady, I am so sorry, 
please forgive me. I didn't mean you. I was talking to my dog. My dog's name is Lady. And the man helped her up and continued to apologize profusely. The next morning when the lady went to check out, she was told that her bill had already been paid. And she said, I, I don't understand. And the hotel cashier explained to her, well, the man with the dog in the elevator yesterday felt so badly about what happened, he cared for all of your expenses. And the cashier said, oh, and by the way, you may not be aware, but that man is the famous pop singer, Lionel Richie. Now, what I want to do today is to underscore the surprise that comes at Easter. The surprise that that woman had in the elevator when that man said, lady, lay down. The element of surprise. The gospel story indeed has a surprise ending. And this is what Easter is really all about. A glorious, magnificent, incredible, joyful surprise they came to the tomb on Easter morning looking for a dead body, but were surprised by the risen Lord. They came to the tomb trudging slowly, mourning the painful loss of their master, but they, were, they returned running and, and jumping excitedly, full of joy, joyful surprise, shouting, He is risen! Jesus is alive! They came that morning feeling the agony of defeat, but they were surprised by the thrill of victory. And later that same day, the Easter surprise dawned again on the road to Emmaus. I want you to remember the story with me. It's Easter afternoon. Cleopas and his friend, the other disciple, they had been followers of Jesus all this time, but now they've just kind of thrown in the towel They've quit. They're limping down the Emmaus road like broken, defeated warriors. They know about the crucifixion. They saw the crucifixion with their own eyes. But they don't yet really know about the resurrection. They've not yet experienced the risen Christ. And so disappointed and disillusioned, defeated, heartbroken, downcast, they trudge along down the Emmaus road toward home. Their hopes for the future just have been dashed. So not knowing what else to do, they turn back and they head toward home to the old life. So let's picture them in our minds. The, the gospel story says that they were saddened. Their shoulders are probably slumped. Their heads are bowed as though they carry on their backs a crushing burden of defeat and dejection. They limp along with weary steps as if their shoes are weight, weighted with, with lead. Their eyes are misted over with tears of disillusionment. They walk along in silence, the two of them. They dare not speak for fear that they will break into uncontrollable sobbing. And at last, with a sigh weighted with despair, the younger man speaks. He's dead. He's gone. It's all over. They've killed him, and without him, we are nothing. We should have known this wouldn't, wouldn't work. 
that was too good to be true, too idealistic for this cruel world. How could we have been such fools? We followed him, we trusted him, we thought he was the one to save us, and now it's all over. And so here they are, dejected, defeated, worn, weary, wounded. But we also know that that's not the end of the story. We're on this side of the resurrection. We know the rest of the story because we're told that suddenly the risen Lord comes to them. He walks with them and speaks with them. He opens the scriptures to them. He breaks bread with them. And as they experience the resurrected Christ, I want you to see what happens. They too get resurrected. They too are healed. They find new life. And they rush, no more trudging, no more limping. They run all the way back to Jerusalem to share the good news with the other disciples. And as they run, they're shouting, I imagine, hope is alive, Jesus is alive, Christ is alive, all the way back. It's a great story. There are so many helpful lessons in this story for us to learn from. We could go in many different directions. But for now, let me lift to you three special insights, quick insights, which underscore the good news in this story. Lesson number one, Christ comes to us in a very special way, especially when we are hurting. He is always with us in every circumstance of life, but over the years, I've noticed that he seems to draw even closer to us when we are in pain. Cleopas and the other disciple, his friend, were hurting that day as they trotted down the Emmaus Road. And then suddenly Christ was there with them to give them strength to, to, to meet their need. That's the way it works. It seems like it would be easy for us to feel the presence of Christ when life is bright and beautiful and everything is going our way. But the truth is, Christ is never more near to us than when we are hurting. You know, time after time, I've heard people tell me, even this past week, this is the hardest thing I've ever been through. I almost died. My heart is broken, but I will be all right because God is with me as never before. A hundred times or more I've heard hurting people say that. God is with me as never before. He is uniquely and especially with us when we are hurting. And I think I know why, two reasons. I think, first of all, it's because we are more open to the presence of God in our lives when we are down and sad. When everything is bright and beautiful, we're paying attention to everything else. But when we're hurting, we have to lean on God. And second, I believe that God is like a loving parent who wants to be especially close to his children when they are in pain. Every parent here knows exactly what I'm talking about. Every grandparent knows. This is an important lesson that explodes out of this Easter story. Christ comes to us in a special way when we are hurting. Lesson number two, Christ has the power to heal our hurts. And in Luke 24, our gospel reading for today, we see how that happens. 
Cleopas and his friend, the other disciple, they're trudging along the road to Emmaus with disillusioned spirit. But then Christ comes to them, and remember what Christ does. First, he walks with them, symbolizing the importance of our daily walk with Jesus. Second, he talks with them, showing the power of prayer, talking to God. Third, he opens the scripture to them, underscoring the importance of Bible reading. Fourth, he breaks bread with them, an obvious plug for Holy Communion. And fifth, he sends them back to the church. So look at this, prayer, Bible study, the sacraments, staying close to the church, and the daily walk with Jesus Christ. Through these holy habits, Christ can bring healing to a fractured spirit. And so if you have a problem today, if you're hurting in any way right now, bring that problem, that pain to the church. Bring it to the risen Christ because he has the power to heal those hurts. Finally, lesson number three, Christ shares his resurrection with us. When we experience the risen Lord, we, like Cleopas and the other disciple, we get resurrected too, in a way. We too get new life. Let me tell you a story about a young boy named Walter Elias. He was born in the city, but his parents one day up and moved to the country to become farmers. Walter had a very vivid imagination, and the farm was the perfect place for a young boy with that kind of vivid imagination. One day in the apple orchard, he was amazed when he saw an owl sitting on a branch of an apple tree, and he just kind of stood there and stared at it. He thought about what his father had told him about owls. Owls always rested during the day because they hunted throughout the night, and this owl was asleep. And Walter Elias also thought that this owl might make a great pet. Being careful not to make any noise, he stepped quietly over the sticks and the leaves, and the owl was in a deep, deep sleep because it never heard Walter Elias walking toward it. And finally, standing under the owl, he reached up and he grabbed the owl by the legs. Now, the events that followed are difficult to explain. Suddenly, everything was utter chaos. The owl had come to life. Walter's thoughts about keeping the bird as a pet were quickly forgotten. The air was filled with wings and feathers and screaming. In the excitement, Walter held on to the legs tighter. And in his panic, Walter Elias, he's still holding the legs of the owl, threw it to the ground and he stomped it to death. And after things calmed down, Walter looked at the now dead and bloody bird and began to cry. He ran back to the farm, found a shovel, buried the owl in the orchard. And that night he would dream about that owl. And as years passed, he never got over what happened that summer day. Deep down, it affected him for the rest of his life. As an older man, 
he said he never, ever killed anything again. I want you to see it. Something significant happened after that event. Something that Walter didn't miss. Something which transformed the life of Walter Elias. Something that redeemed him from the pit of despair. Something that resurrected him. Something that made Walter Elias Disney. Walt Disney give life to thousands of animals on the big screen. The resurrection changes everything. It transforms us. It moves us from despair to new possibilities in life. It takes us in our blindness and opens our eyes. It transforms ordinary bread into a holy meal. It takes two sad and lost disciples on the road to Emmaus who had lost the only world they knew, and it gives it back to them. Jesus comes to them and says, See, I am not dead. I am alive. You need to believe that. You need to see that. And the message is clear. We too can be resurrected. Christ shares his resurrection with us. He rises, and so can we. We too can have new life through him. We too can have a new start through him. But by the miracle of God's amazing grace, we too can be brought out of those tombs that try to imprison us. This is a dramatic part of the Easter story. Christ was resurrected and so were his followers. He arose and exploded out of the tomb. And so did they. So do we. We thank God. So, so can we. We can see Christ alive in our life and in the church and in people's lives around us. And we can rise as well. The risen Christ comes to us in a special way when we are hurting. The risen Christ has the power to heal our hurts and the risen Christ shares his resurrection with us. The Lord is risen, and I suggest we do the same. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.